Hold it about there. That's okay. Life by the Spirit. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Great, thank you very much. I'm going to come down here. Can you still see me around the corner? Is that all right? You may not want to. Shall we pray together? Loving Heavenly Father, please would you open our eyes that we might behold wonderful things in your word. And then by your Holy Spirit, please would you melt our hearts and mould our wills that we might live in humble obedience to all that we read. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. It is really lovely to be here. One of the things I get to do is every week, pretty much, I go to a different church, a different Anglican church. This morning I was parading around, literally, with a bloke with a kind of beaver hat on and a sword and two blokes with maces and a mare and all sorts of people dressed up in strange hats. It was bizarre. I have to say, but you get a chance to preach the gospel to the mayor and to the councillors. Well, what a great job that is. Uh, but tonight I feel I'm in a place that feels more comfortable. This is what I'm used to church-wise. It's much like where I was before I came to be Archdeacon, so I can relax. However, Tim, thank you. It is a tough gig to be asked to summarise and conclude a series of sermons when you have not heard a single one of them. When you have spent ten weeks talking about the fruits of the fruit of the Spirit, and then you say, oh, come and sum it up. Thank you. I have no clue what's been said. I'm afraid I have not had time to go on the website and listen. And it's not my only problem, though. Not only do I not know what the preachers have said, I also don't know what has been heard. And there could be a real difference, as any preacher knows, 
about what people would hear in sermons is not always what was actually said in sermons. And I've not heard the buzz, the conversations taking place at your life hubs or just around the place. So today, as we look back at this passage, and especially at the fruit of the Spirit there in verse 22, I want to ask some questions. And I want to ask questions. I wonder what you heard. What did you hear as this series was being expounded? The first thing I want to ask is this. Did you hear, be more loving... Be more joyful, be more peaceful, be more X, X, X. Is that what you heard? Because if you did, did you hear a list of do's, a list of do more, a list of try even harder? I was once watching a children's football match in a local park. If you've ever been to one, it's always funny. You'll know the scene well that all the kids just follow the ball around. There's no positions at that age. And yet all the parents are yelling as if it's the most important game that's ever taken place on the earth. One dad in particular was kept yelling so loudly at his son. He was going, go there, run there, pass to him, don't do that, why did you do that? And then suddenly the little boy stopped running. He turned around, burst into tears and with the most dejected look cried, I can't do it. And all the other parents looked at this dad. See, the danger is when you read the list of the fruit of the Spirit, if you hear it as a list of do's, and then go back and read verses 19 onwards as a list of don'ts, if you've heard, I need to go away from a Sunday and stop doing X and work harder at doing Y, if that is what you heard, I want to challenge it. Because there is great danger if that is what you heard. Because that is not what the passage actually says. I'm sure this was brought out to you before you started the series. But notice, verse 19 speaks about the acts of the flesh. But verse 22 says the fruits of the spirits. Not the acts of the spirits. Not the acts of a Christian. doesn't say that. The fruits of the spirits is. Fruit is not something that is done. It is something that is produced. You can't tell a tree to be fruitful. A tree is fruitful by nature, but only when it's healthy. The issue is that fruit of the Spirit, rather than being a list of things to do, is rather a list of indicators of your spiritual health. I, when you're a healthy spiritual Christian, then you will naturally bear the fruit that's listed there. You will naturally be more loving more joyful, more peaceful, more peaceable. It will be the natural stuff that people start to see in your life. Therefore, when I read these, I need to read them more like I'm looking into a mirror. What do I see and what do others see? Do they see in me a person becoming more loving, more joyful, more peaceable, more self-controlled? If I do, then it is maybe a sign that the Spirit is at work in me. That there is a spiritual work that is real and unquestionable. But if I don't, then it raises a question mark over my own spiritual health. Am I really living under the control of the Holy Spirit? Am I really living in step with the Spirit day by day? 
If actually, if I'm honest, what I start to see is a lot more of those characteristics of verses 19 to 20, the desires of the flesh, then it means I need to ask some serious questions about my own spiritual health. You see, the fruit of the Spirit is like a spiritual health check. When you hit 50, I'm now 53, when you hit 50, you get told to go off and see a doctor. And they kind of give you a once-over. A check, check how you do. It's like an MOT for the older man. Well, the fruit of the Spirit, that description is a little bit like a spiritual health check for all of us. So I wonder how you're feeling at the end of doing nine weeks, nine of those separate sermons. Crumbs, you've really taken a hard look at yourself. How are you? How are you spiritually? I don't want to know how many times you read the Bible each day or how many times you come to church. And someone once said, going to church doesn't, uh, doesn't make you a Christian any more than sitting in a garage makes you a car. And the thing you need to say is, is it the sign of the Spirit's work in your life? And is it visible to all? You see, the New Testament is really serious about that question. How do you know that someone is a truly a follower of Jesus Christ? How do you know that someone truly has the Spirit of God within them? A.W. Tozer, a great preacher at his church in Toronto, one day as people were leaving the church, he spotted a young man he hadn't seen before. And when he shook his hand, Tozer said, Are you a friend of Jesus? Well, the young man was slightly taken aback, as you might be. But he replied, Yes, I consider myself a friend of Jesus. And Tozer replied, Jesus said, You are my friend if you do what I command you. Are you a friend of Jesus? And the young man took his hand away, looked sheepish, and went off very quickly. You see, Jesus says very clearly, how do you know whether someone is truly a follower of, of him, of Jesus Christ? Remember in Matthew 7, he says, by their fruits, you will know them. He then illustrates it when Jesus says that many will say to me on that day, did we not prophesy in your name? Talking there to preachers, probably. And in your name, did we not drive out demons and perform many miracles? Talking to the miracle workers. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Go away, evildoers. Or 1 John. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, How can the love of God be in that person? Jesus is really clear. The fruits of our lives tells us the true states of our lives. The true spiritual states of our lives. Now, of course, backsliding is real and a real part of the Christian experience. And we all struggle with it, don't we? Because I know that some of you will now be going, Oh my goodness. Maybe I'm not really a Christian. And I want to say to you, of course, backsliding, struggling is something you will face. Isn't that the whole point of the context here? Of when you read, so I'm really aware of how old I'm getting, that I can't actually read the text because my eyesight is so poor. But I think what it says is, So I say, live by the Spirit and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. The whole context of this is saying, 
It is tough living by the Spirit. It is a struggle each and every day. It is struggle to resist the temptations of the evil one each and every day, isn't it? Don't you find it a struggle? I find it a real struggle day by day. And there are times when I think, oh, my life just does not bear much relation, I'm sure, to what Jesus wants for me. So yes, I want to acknowledge that. The Christian life is a struggle. And I hope, though, and what I really hope you didn't hear in that sermon series, is that fruit bearing is easy. Just let go and let God. Because it is not. There is a fight going on, and the only way we can fight it is by living by the Spirit, keeping in step with the Holy Spirit, that wholehearted commitment and desire to live by the Holy Spirit. And if we are doing that, then we will see fruits in amongst the battle. So no, backsliding is okay, but I do want to say, if you are not seeing any fruit at all, then I think the New Testament warrants to say, just check. Just check you really have given your life wholly to Christ. Have you actually received this life-giving spirit? And if that worries you, then come and talk to Tim. Or ask someone to pray with you, and you will know. That happened to me for a few years when I first thought I was converted. I'm not sure I was. But I remember the day when finally, I finally definitely said to Jesus, I am yours. Has it been easy ever since? No. Do I struggle? Of course. All the time. Do you know it gets worse when you're an archdeacon? Because when you're an archdeacon, you think you ought to be, you know, hyper-holy. You realise how utterly unholy you really are. Another thing I hope you also didn't hear is this, is to be a healthy Christian, you need your five a day. That is, you focused on a few as you went through this series. Maybe you didn't turn up every week, you only heard five or four, and you think, well, I'll just focus on those, that's great. Did you hear that? A bit like an exam, where you're marked on your best five answers out of nine. Notice it doesn't say fruits of the Spirit, plural. It says fruits of the Spirit, singular. God looks for all nine. And in fact, that's probably not an exhaustive list. I like to think of a satsuma. I love Christmas. You mentioned Christmas earlier. I love Christmas for satsumas. Satsuma is a fruit. And I imagine, I think that when that list is given, that actually the word love in a sense, is the key word, and then all the other words explain what love is. The reason I say that is, if you go to 1 Corinthians 13, that great passage on love, it says love is patient, love is kind. That is, all those other words tell you what love looks like on the ground. So I like to think of the satsuma as love, and then you open it up, and inside are eight segments, those other words that make up that one fruit. It is one fruit. You'd be a bit shocked if you opened up your satsuma and there were three bits missing, wouldn't you? You see, the problem is, when you read the fruit of the Spirit, some of them will be actually quite like your personality. Some of you, by nature, will be more self-controlled. Some of you know that you're not, generally. But some of you, just by nature, are. Or some of us are more gentle, because that's our character, others are not. That is, if you only focus on the ones that seem to tie with your character, you go, everything's great. But actually, the Spirit hasn't had to do an awful lot of work with that. It's... It's the stuff that's not so great. That's going to be the place where we see the Holy Spirit really taking hold of us. 
So I just want to say again, fruitfulness is not the response to a command. Do. It is the natural product of a life given over to the work of God's Holy Spirit. When we're living under the control and direction of the Holy Spirit, this stuff happens. And if you're not seeing it, then it's an issue. And it is a call to allow the Spirit of God greater control of our lives. And I want to say more about that in a moment. The second thing that I really hope, major thing, I hope that you didn't hear, or rather this is what I hope you did hear. I hope during this series you still heard the gospel. I hope you still heard the gospel of grace. The danger when you talk about things that look like a load of do's is, we slip back into forgetting what the gospel really is. And actually we end up going and telling people, or giving the impression to people in our world, what Christianity is, when actually it isn't that at all. What I mean by it is this, most people around us perceive that Christianity is basically living a good life. That is my experience of most people. I had it this morning at that lovely service where most of the people in front of me weren't Christians. And in the end, when they talk to you, what they want to say is, but I live a good life. That's what they basically believe Christianity is. Which is why they say, well, I don't need Jesus. Why would I need Jesus? I'm kind, I'm loving, I'm patient. If you go to any funeral I've ever taken, when you go to meet the family and they tell you about the person that's died, I'm sure you've had this, Tim, they will tell you they never hurt anyone. They never said an unkind word in their life. It is very rare any family ever tells you any negative things about the person that's just died. They are saints. See, actually, by our own standards and on the world standards, all of us are okay. And actually, when people compare themselves to us as Christians, they realise that often we're not a lot better than they are. That's why many Christians call us hypocrites, and often with very good reason. I was up at Church House London, that is basically Church of England headquarters, two weeks ago. The place was teeming with clergy, high-level clergy, and Christians everywhere. But not all the staff who work in that big building are Christians. Over lunch, I met the head of HR, who was not a Christian, clearly. And I asked, how was it? How was it working? She was relatively new. She uh, works in massive, you know, she's kind of head of HR in massive companies and organisations. She's been around the world. So I said, how was it? She said it was a shock. She said, I assumed it was going to be different to the other places I've worked calm, caring and quite a quiet life but nothing of the sort it's just as bad as everywhere else people falling out and lots of really bad behaviour that is the headquarters of the Church of England she's talking about see if Christianity is about being good then she would judge why on earth do I need it I'll do as well if I'm not as a Christian and certainly a lot better than most of the Christians I know. Can I be honest with you, the greatest frustration I have with church schools, and I say this as someone who's been a governor in a church schools for more years than I can care to remember, is that I got sick and tired of being told that what made you a church school was that you taught Christian values. And yet, it's the opposite of the gospel. Because actually, if all you're doing is telling children, be loving, be kind, be caring, be compassionate, you're doing the opposite of the gospel. You're telling them to do a whole load of things, which in the end, because of their human hearts, they simply can't do. 
which is why every school teaches those things. Yet the problem is, do we see a world full of kind, caring, compassionate people by and large? No. Why? It's not because the education was bad, it's because the hearts of all of us simply doesn't allow us to be able to do those things by nature. By nature we do the things of the flesh. So simply telling kids to do something will not mean they grow up to do those. Spiritually, they can't do it. Christian values without the Christian gospel is disaster. Now the fruit of the Spirit should always send us back to the first chapters of Galatians. And the first chapters of Galatians tell us the gospel. There's no good telling people to live like a Christian until first they hear about the transformation that the gospel can bring. See, the whole problem with law is what the first bit of Galatians is all about. Thinking we can make ourselves acceptable to God by what we do. Chapter 3, verse 10, all who rely on the works of the law are cursed. Imagine going and saying that in a church school. If you just go and try and be loving, be kind, be whatever, you're cursed. Can I tell you, I did, I didn't quite put it in those words, but I told the head teacher of the school that was the reality. I didn't use the word curse. But I said, actually, you're setting them all up for a fail, and that is not the gospel. And I sat down and I spoke to the head teacher for an hour about what the gospel was. Do you know what he said? Will you come and teach the staff about the gospel? And the next week, or two weeks later, I started a Christianity Explored course in the staff room after school, only for half an hour, because I knew they were keen to get home while they had marking. And we did the Christianity Explored course. So they understood the gospel, rather than just teach people Christian living. You see, because we need it, that passage tells us that naturally we are fleshly people. We go against what God wants, as Francis Spurford actually didn't quite put it this way. He talks about the human propensity to mess things up. He uses a somewhat stronger word if you've ever read, read his book. We can't sort ourselves out by ourselves. We have to believe in Jesus, his death and resurrection. When we believe, we are justified, put right with God. And that is by faith and faith alone, not by what we do. And then when we do do that, an amazing thing happens. We are literally regenerated. It sounds like something out of Doctor Who, doesn't it? Regeneration. Well, that is exactly what happens. When a person puts their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, they are regenerated, completely made, completely new from the inside out. Remember what Paul said, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Free from curse, free from the, the pressure, the slavery of having to try and justify ourselves in God's eyes or indeed in anyone else's eyes. But the problem in Galatians is that having started with Jesus and faith alone, they start to go back. They're told, well, you don't need to just trust in Jesus, you need to do a bit of law as well. It's not just believing, it's also doing. Jesus plus. The problem is, if you have Jesus plus anything, you end up with nothing. You have lost the gospel, because it is no longer a gospel of grace. And the problem that Galatians tells us is that all of us can easily slip back. But it's grace plus. It's Jesus plus this. And therefore we carry around guilt that we don't need to carry around. 
See, the aim of reading the fruit of the Spirit is not to induce guilt in us. Maybe it does go, spiritually, I'm not where I would long to be. But not that we might be guilty, but that we might throw ourselves back on the grace of Jesus Christ. That it will take us back to the cross. That we might re again or again discover again that cleansing and then discover again that empowering of the Holy Spirit, which Jesus now ascended pours out on his people. And that is what the world needs, isn't it? The world doesn't need to hear us going, you need to be more loving, you need to be more, and actually you're not very this and you're not very that. That is not what the world needs. Because it will just say, well, you're not like that, so why should we be like that? They need good news. I was reading a piece just this week, and the first part of the piece, this person quotes a student. And this is what the student said, I had to get four A stars to be accepted at the university of my choice. There is such pressure to be successful in my career. I'm also supposed to be skinny and beautiful, go to countless parties, have loads of friends and enjoy a fulfilling life. I feel empty. And the article went on saying, emotionally vulnerable, these characteristics are increasingly visible amongst young adults. Productivity and attainment have become slave drivers rather than motivating goals. You see, the people of our world need to hear a gospel, a gospel of grace. So please don't use these words of the fruit of the Spirit out of context. They're at the end of Galatians, which is primarily about the gospel. The fruit of the Spirit is a product of the gospel. They are not the gospel itself. The gospel is that none of us can do any of these things unless we're first born again. And that is available to all by faith and faith alone. So let me conclude. The cry of this passage is there in verse 25, which I have to do by faith because I really can't. I need to get a bigger print. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The key to fruit bearing, the key to being spiritually healthy, is keeping in step with the Spirit. Well, you might say, how do we do that? Well, in one sense, it's obvious. This is where I go into kind of, you know, I've done youth work all my years. What's the kind of youth work? Read your Bible, say your prayers, go to church. And of course, those are all true. Unless you're in God's words, where God will speak to us by his Spirit, unless we're praying and listening for what the Spirit is saying, unless we're gathering uh, with uh, the rest of the body, worshipping and doing fellowship, because we are the temple together of the Holy Spirit, then there is no way we will be spiritually healthy Christians. I can guarantee you that. But I want to get specific on two things. The first is this, the word desire. It's really interesting. All the way through that passage, it talks about desire. The desire of the flesh and the desire of the Spirit. See, the Spirit longs to see these characteristics in you. I think that's the thing we need to know. That is what the Spirit longs for. He longs to see in Adrian love and joy and peace. If only the Archdeacon of Bath was more loving and more joyful and more peaceful. Is what the Spirit is saying every single day. The thing is, is that your longing too? When you read that list, is that as you've read it over the last nine weeks? Is that what you've gone away from? Oh, I long to be like that. 
Is that how you felt? Do you find yourself saying, wow, yes, Lord. How I long to see this shown in my life, at work, in my relationships, at home with the family. I don't know if you've ever been, we were out in Zambia quite recently, and the one thing they have out there is these amazing fruit stalls. They are so colourful, and you, you walk out and just to see it, and I just go, oh, wow, I'd love some of that. Especially as I had T-bone steak after T-bone steak after T-bone steak. It's all they ever eat. Suddenly some fruit. I know you like steak. I, I love steak, but boy, I saw some fruits. Now, maybe you don't. Maybe your desire is for something else. Maybe I should say chocolate or a Porsche or whatever it is. But you know that thing when you see it and you long for it. Well, the sign of the Spirit's working is that you want to do the stuff that he wants to do. That you long for the same thing in your life that he longs for in your life. And the problem is the desire for other stuff can be very strong, especially in the heat of the moment. We all want to be self-controlled until we see that half-naked woman appear on a computer screen. We all want to be kind until the person in our office treats us badly and then we want to fire back. So let me ask you the first question. is: What is the desire of your heart? Is it to see these characteristics displayed in your life? That's what the Spirit longs for. Is that what you long for? The second thing is this. Pray. I believe this is a truth. What you long for you pray for. What you long for, you pray for. You know, don't you? Kids do it. I really, really, really want something. Dear Lord, please, can I have a new bike? Well, we do it the same. I did it before the World Cup. I saw a new telly that I wanted. Please, Lord, can I have a new telly? Problem is, I'd go and ask my wife then. That was a really tricky bit. What you long for, you pray for. Why do I say that? Philippians 2 talks to the church about working out their salvation with fear and trembling, in obedience, shining like stars in this universe. But in the middle of it, it says this, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Did you hear what he said? For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. That is, we need God's power to even to want to be like this. We won't even naturally want to do this stuff. Do you remember what Paul says in Romans? What I want to do, I don't do. And what I don't want to do, that's the stuff I keep on doing. That sounds like our life, doesn't it? We need the Holy Spirit help to even to want to bear fruit. What you long for, you pray for. So my hope and prayer is that the result of this sermon series is that you are praying. Praying for a desire to see the fruits of the Spirit displayed in your life. Praying for the help of God's Holy Spirit to walk in his ways. To submit to his power and control. And when you see the list of the fruit of the Spirit, I hope what you say is, Lord, I want some of that.